Go with me over to Galatians 6 again. I just want to remind you, we're talking about supernatural increase through our sowing. And we've learned that our tithe is the foundation and the real breakthroughs and the real increase, of course, comes through sowing. You'll find out today that uh, not only are there tithers' rights for the person who is consistent and faithful in tithing, there's also the blessing and promises for those who are habitual, uh, quick to do it, faithful sowers in the kingdom. Say it, I'm a sower, not a part-time planner. I think you should get an extra special button and a gold star for coming on, amen, a day like today, daylight savings time. So hard to navigate that hour, isn't it, church? Lord, bless your hearts, amen. <laughs> what do I do, Pat? Just sow that hour into the kingdom, amen, just sow it. Praise God. But we found out in Genesis 8, 22, the seed time and harvest is perpetual. As long as the earth endures. We found out in Genesis chapter 1 that seed was one of the original gifts given to mankind as a gift from God. And with seed, we can actually plant our own way. We listen to God as he directs us and we sow seeds and we reap a harvest off of that. And everything in this life, everything that comes into this world has to come through the agency of seed. It is the only legal system in the earth. Everything produced here, everything that's going to happen here comes through the principle of seed, time, and harvest. And that's why Jesus himself had to come through the principle of seed, time, and harvest. Aren't you glad that he came? And so looking at uh, uh, Galatians chapter 6 for a moment, this is from the J.B. Phillips translation. Don't be under any illusion. You cannot make a fool of God or God cannot be mocked. A man's harvest in life will depend entirely on what he sows. If he sows for his own lower nature, his harvest will be the decay and death of his own nature. But if he sows for the spirit, he will reap the harvest of everlasting life by that spirit. Let us not grow tired of doing good. And we know by context that doing good here refers to sowing. Do not grow tired of sowing for unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. The Amplified says, for whatever a man sows, that and only that is what he will reap. And we've talked about this and we made it uh, very clear that uh, everything that you say, everything you think, and everything you do are seeds. Say that with me, every thought, every word, every action is a seed. And since you and I have uh, dominion over what we think and over what we say and over what we do, you and I are responsible for the seeds that are sown. We live in a, in a culture, in a mindset that wants to blame everybody else for where we are. I mean, that's the essence of what's going on right now in this, in this culture. It's the essence of the cancel culture. It's the essence of a push towards socialism. The reality is you and I are ultimately responsible for our harvest in life. And we determine that by the seeds that we sow. So arguably, there's never going to be anything that you hear uh, in this pulpit more important than this principle. It's time to stop blaming everybody else. And get a revelation that if I don't like what I have, where I am, I can change it. That's how powerful the principle is. Imagine you had a little patch behind your house and you wanted to grow a few vegetables, maybe some corn or whatever. 
whatever you want to grow in that patch, you have the ability to determine what grows in that patch by what you put in the ground there. That's the same reason why somebody could come in there or the wind could carry some weed. That's, that's what you have to do to tend that garden. But by and large, what's going to come up in that ground is what you actually put there. So a wise person would say, you know, if I don't like where I am, I need to start changing what? The seeds that I've been sowing. Amen. So our thoughts, our words, and our deeds now line up with the word of God, and that is the key. You find out also, if you'll turn there in Mark chapter 4, that the entire kingdom operates on the principle of seed time and harvest. This is not just something that happens in this earth. The earth is a reflection of what happens in the kingdom of God in terms of his kingdom, in terms of his nature. It's just the way that he does what it does, there's a reason why we plant and we harvest food. There's a reason why everything comes through seed. There's a reason why reproduction happens this way. It's because it's the design of God, and it actually reflects the spirit realm. Yeah, right. Amen. A lot of people misunderstand. They think, well, the reason there's a lot of agrarian type of uh, you know, illustrations in the Word of God is because they were an agrarian-based economy. And as far as their economy goes, that's very, very true. But what you have to understand is the references to agriculture go way beyond the fact that they had an economy based on agriculture. It's based on seed time and harvest. And so what we started doing last week is giving you these four principles or these keys for you, uh, actually the five of them, being an effective sower. Say it with me. I want to be an effective sower. And how many understand that the longer you develop, you know, the longer you do this, the more you develop this revelation in your life, the greater those harvests can be. 30, 60, and 100. But I'll be honest with you, I started, uh, you know, being you know, faithful as a tither, and then on top of that, being a sower, sowing you know, to the Spirit, sowing my life in Him, giving my life over to Him, and then consciously sowing and blessing people and blessing the ministry. I started seeing this happen in my life, and I didn't get a, a hundredfold the first time I did this, but I'm going to tell you what, I got a lot of tenfolds. And you know what it did? It encouraged me that I really was on to something here. Now, I can tell you that we have seen in our family harvests at every level. But there's no putting limits on God. The only limitation is what you believe and what you receive and act upon. And, and be careful that you don't counter the revelation with dead men's brains and theologians, you know, the long gone and, and people who don't understand this revelation. Never try to understand a revelation based on somebody who's attacking it. You get your revelation from the Word of God, from the Spirit of God, and let Him talk to you. So if you go back to Mark 4, we're going to just re review quickly the first two of these, and then move on. So I want to be an effective sower. In uh, Mark chapter 4, how many would say this is one of your favorite passages as well? Mark 4, verse 9, I'm going to go ahead and give you, Jesus uh, says as the interpretation of this parable, of the sower, then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he's not talking about the little paddles on the side of your head. He's talking about hearing with spiritual ears. How many know that sounds are going out right now? But that doesn't guarantee revelation in the heart of the people who actually hear the physical sounds. 
To some people today and online, this is just sound. It's just a sermon. My, wasn't that a lovely sermon? That's not the point. We don't preach and teach so you can hear a lovely sermon. We preach and teach so you can have a lovely life. A victorious life. A life that's filled with victory. Amen? And purpose and destiny. You're advancing the kingdom of God. Amen? He goes on to say, when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. Now, the other people are not getting this level of insight and revelation-based teaching. It's when you're alone with him, these things explode in your heart. They all got to hear the foundational teaching. They're getting, though, the revelation. And he says this to them. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Say that with me. The secret, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to me. When you read Mark 4, you shall say to yourself, this is the secret. This is the key. If I understand this, apply this, walk in this, it is going to revolutionize my life. It doesn't make a difference where you are right now. It's not where you are. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Amen. Amen. The secret to the kingdom is given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seen, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Turn and be converted is actually what that means. Converted first in your thinking, and then converted in what you believe, and converted in your lifestyle. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Now watch this, how then will you understand any parable? That is a duplicate statement of what he just said. The secret of the kingdom of God is this particular teaching. And he says it again, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? If you don't get this, you can't get the rest. Turn to somebody and say, you've got to get this. Tell somebody else, you must get this. Everybody say, wake up. Now, when he says something once, it's always important because it's, of course, the word of God. But when he repeats that same principle, if you don't get this, you're not going to get very far in the kingdom, period. He goes on to say this, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. What's the seed? The seed is? The word. Some people, look at somebody and say, some people. Some people. Turn to somebody else and say, some people. Some. some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Other uh, versions of this talk about the lack of understanding in their hearts. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. They see the potential. They see what the word of God can do. They're excited about the promises. They're excited about divine healing and provision and deliverance. They're excited about purpose and destiny, walking in revelation. They're excited about being a part of the kingdom of God. With joy, they receive it. But since they have no root, they last only what? A short time. The joy is short-lived because when they receive the word, trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
So the first people here but have no revelation. The second people here, they do have some revelation and they have joy over that revelation. Can I tell you something? Whenever you get a revelation, not from a man, not from some denomination, not from some handbook, but you get a revelation directly from the Holy Ghost, it always produces joy immediately. You go, wow, that's amazing. I never saw that before. Do you see that? And that's a good thing. It's a good sign. If you're in this church right now and you've been listening carefully to these messages on supernatural increase, aren't you glad there's such a thing? Then if you're getting revelation, you're starting to get joy. That something can happen if I line myself up with the word of God. Joy will come. But then what happens is right behind the joy comes the devil to try to steal, kill, and destroy. To take the word that's planted out of you. And as fast as the joy comes, it can be, you know, it can absolutely diminish in your life. And you should pay attention to diminishing joy over revelation. That means you're losing it. Joy means you're gaining revelation. Loss of revelation means progressively you're starting to lose. Why? Because when trouble or persecution comes from the word, they quickly fall away. For these people that think that they understand, those of us that believe in the present day ministry of the Holy Ghost and believe in being a word person and you think you have it all figured out that if you are a faith person, you'll never have a trial, never have a trouble, never have a difficulty. I don't know what Bible you're reading. Because this Bible says, get faith, you'll get trouble. How's that for a (laughs) t-shirt? Should sell out, go viral instantly. No, the, the, the word teaches that when someone receives the word, it attracts trouble. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation or trouble, but be of good cheer. I have what? overcome the world. The faith does not put you in a bubble where the enemy is not going to attack or assault. It assures you though that you will come out on top in every battle. That's the difference. That's the nuance but it's an incredibly important one. It's a big deal to say to somebody, all you need is faith and nothing will ever happen again. The devil will just stand back and say, I got to hand it to you. I cannot possibly deal with you. Now, the faith is how you overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith, our believing God. It is a faith that will attract the challenge, but if you stay on your faith, you'll overcome it in Jesus' name. Do you believe that today, church? So make sure you understand this. But if you're thinking, I'm going to sow the word and everything's going to be just hunky-dory and perfect, never a trial, never a tragedy, never an issue, never somebody trying to do something unscrupulous or whatever. No. That's not what it teaches at all. In fact, the word sown attracts activity of the enemy. So then, Pastor, pray tell, tell me, what's the incentive for me? (laughs) To sow the word that attracts the activity of the enemy. Because it also attracts the activity of the Holy Ghost. And the enemy is no match for the Holy Ghost. Wasn't then, is it now, never will. But your job is to stay on the word so he has something to work with in your life. Hallelujah. Watch this. 
Others, like seeds sown in rocky places, hear the word, receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what happens is the weeds get a hold of this situation and choke out the life. Watch this. The devil tried to take your understanding, but he didn't succeed. He whipped up trouble and persecution, but you stood your ground. You still got your joy. That didn't work. So now what he tries to do is get you with worries or, or manifestations of fear, you know, inordinate affections or wrong relationship with stuff, material or possessions. And to get you in terms of your life focused on desires other than the things of God. And what happens is the word that didn't get sucked up by the enemy because you have revelation and did not to get plucked out because you maintain in the midst of the trouble and persecution, he's getting you with worries and desires and pursuits that contradict the things of God. But what happens if you survive the attempt to steal it from your heart and, the, and then pressure it off of your heart or to try to choke it out with weeds? What happens if you hang in there? Look at what it says. I mentioned this last week. I found you all in the Bible. You and you and you and you. I found all of you in the Bible. Others. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Others. Look at somebody and say, I'm one of them. Like seed sown on good soil, hear the word accepted and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times. What was sown? I told you I found you in the Bible. Come on, say, that is me. The first two principles for being an effective sower are right here. First of all, one is it requires the Word of God. Whatever you begin, whatever you do, you start with the Word of God. It produces a new birth. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, healing, deliverance, increase. Sowing should always be inspired by and consistent with the Word of God. When I was uh, in college, uh, this young lady was a friend of a friend from high school, and she wanted to experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I didn't really know how to help this girl because she was well indoctrinated against certain things of the Spirit. So I said, what do I do to help her? What we did was we simply read to her scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, going back in Isaiah, going back in some references to Ezekiel, going back to what God had prophesied in Luke and all the way through Acts, all the episodes and all the the narratives about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This went on for maybe an hour and a half, two hours. You know what happened after one or two hours? She was hungry for and ready to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit in her life. And this doubter, this person who had been raised against it, suddenly when the Word of God went in, now the seed was causing a growth now and a harvest in that experience. Whatever you're doing, make sure you start with the Word of God. You're not going to be an effective sower unless you start sowing the Word of God. Everything you do should be with a word in mind. Your thoughts lining up with a word, your words lining up with a word, your actions lining up with a word. When you start living that way, it changes every part of your life. Number two, the second principle here is it requires the right kind of soil, the right kind of a heart. The Bible says of itself it's incorruptible seed. 
which means there's not a dud in it. You won't find one dud anywhere in that Bible. Amen. Let me try that again. You won't find one dud in the Bible. Amen. I'm going to say it again. There's not a dud in there. Amen. It'll work if it finds the right kind of soil. So we start with the word and we make up our mind that we're not going to lose our revelation. We're not going to lose our joy. It's tied to revelation because of difficulties or challenges. And we're not going to let desires and distractions and worries and fears cause that, that word seed to be crowded out by those weeds. We're going to hang in there. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Tie that back to Galatians. We will reap in due season... If we faint not, I have an announcement to make. Due season is here. Due season in your life is manifesting. It's not time to quit. It's time to just, you know, get all the more excited and dive in there and be diligent in your life. Glory to God. The third principle is that the effective sower requires the process of seed time and harvest. Read on with me in this scripture. I'm going to read uh, verse 21 here. He said to them, do you uh, bring a, a lamp into, uh, a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. Look at somebody and say, be careful what you're hearing. What does this tell us? It tells us there's a connection between this principle of the light on a stand and what somebody does with the seed. Be careful you don't overlay this scripture with the concept of this little light of mine. Do you see this? It's about the seed. The entire context, this chapter, is about the seed. Don't switch the imagery right in the middle of the teaching. Watch this. Verse 26, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. You need to highlight that, circle that, starlight. You need to make sure you understand. Again, he's saying this is how the kingdom of God functions. If you and I can discover how the kingdom of God functions and works, there's no stopping us. Can I help you out here? Thousands of people going to church throughout this region, many of them have no idea how the kingdom of God operates. You don't have to understand how it works and enjoy its benefits to get to heaven. You can believe on Jesus and stay right there to the day you die. But you know what? I want to know how it works. And it works through the principle and process of seed time and harvest. A man scatters seed on the ground. Church, what's the seed? It's the word of God. Night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. You've been sowing seed. You've been diligent. What's going on? I don't see anything happening. This word is here to encourage you. Something is happening. Something's happening in your mind, in your body, in your soul. Something's happening in your life. It's happening in your finances. Something is happening. 
You can't say because I can't see what's going on under the ground. Nothing's going on. The scripture is here to remind us in the kingdom of God, you don't get to see with a natural eye everything that's going on. And that's not altogether bad. Some of y'all say, well, Saul was arrayed against you. You'd freak out. It's impossible for good seed, incorruptible seed, to fall on good ground and not be growing. Whether you see it or not is completely irrelevant to the truth. It's working for you. Come on, say it. The word I have been sowing is working for me. I don't care what I see. It's working for me. No farmer goes out there here in April and plants seed and comes back a week later and says it's not working. They have drugs for that. He knows it's working. He has the base of experience and we have not just experience, we have the word of God on it. Hallelujah. In other words, if the seed finds good ground, seed knows what to do. It's programmed to know what to do. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Come on, just look at somebody and tell them, it's working for you. Come on, say it again, it is working for you. Even if you can't see it. I don't feel nothing. I don't see nothing. This isn't about your feeling. The kingdom of God is not about your feeling. Never has been, never will be. It's about seed sowing. Well, I just don't feel like anything's happening. Had nothing to do with how you feel. It's what does God say? You see, the seed's not meant to stay hidden forever. It's going to burst forth in harvest. The more we hear and sow by receiving, the more we'll see the harvest from the seeds that we sow. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It all revolves around seed. Hallelujah. It's a process. A lot of people get discouraged in the process. Some of you have been praying for lost loved ones. And from your perspective, they're just getting meaner. That's not all that unusual. You start really praying for somebody to get saved, to see them in all of their living color. But guess what? Something's happening. Something's gone to work in that situation. Hallelujah. And then what do I do even though I don't see it? I water it with my praise. And I water it with my confession. Stop saying things like it doesn't work for me. This faith stuff doesn't work. And I try that faith stuff, it doesn't work. No, that's impossible. If you take incorruptible seed and put it into the right soil, it's going to work every single time. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. Amen. But some of you got upset in the process. Amen. I'm preaching bear. Some of you are staring at me. Don't lose out in the process. 
Hallelujah. Read on with me. I want to just encourage you here. It's really important that uh, you see this. Read on the next uh, verse for me. Verse 30, uh, verse 30. And again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Are you seeing the pattern here? The keys to being an effective sower, one, you have to have the word. It requires the right kind of soil. Say it with me, I'm the right kind of soil. It requires the process of seed time and harvest. And number four, it requires understanding of the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God like? Look at all the references in just one chapter to the kingdom of God working like seed. How can we describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. When it grows, not only does it benefit you, what does it do? It's so big it benefits a lot of other people. The kingdom is expansive. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using the parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything to them. Hallelujah. You can never tell the magnitude of a harvest by the size of the seed alone. Can you receive that? It's not your job to figure it out. One little tiny seed becomes the largest with great landing places and affecting other creatures, affecting other lives. That's the way we have to understand this. It's the smallest seed. It's planted in the ground. It grows and becomes the largest in the garden. Your future is hidden in the seed. Are you here today? Say with me, my future. My future is hidden. God's kingdom, will, design, and purpose for your life all come through seed. That's why we tell people, never despise the day of small beginnings. Say it with me. I have the foundation. I'm a tither. I say it with me. Now I'm a sower. You say, what good is my soul? What good is that $5? What good is that extra time spent in the Word of God? What time is, you know, what good is it praising the Lord? What, what good is it magnifying the Lord? You know, I don't have all that much to give, all that much to sow. You'd be amazed what God can do with a heartfelt, generous, cheerful seed. Not based on size. Let me help you out here. I remember the first time the Lord impressed my wife and I to give $100 to a ministry. Uh, it might as well have been $10,000. Maybe even more. Since that time, we've you know, given and sown seeds that were much, much beyond that, his direction. Um, but can I tell you something? That was a breakthrough time. In a lot of ways, far more difficult at that point in time with mental pressure and uncertainty and faith development. But can I tell you something? The, the first time that we really felt pressure on, on, on a seed like that, it was a breakthrough moment. Hallelujah. And that's a different point for different people. I can tell you this, the devil will do everything he can to stop you from sowing seed. 
Now you do what you want with a so-called stimulus. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sow a significant portion. Thank you, those two, for your enthusiasm. Amen. Because a lot of us are saying, I don't have any seed. Oh, yeah, you got some coming. <laughs> I don't ever have any seed. Shazam. Lord Biden has spoken. There is some coming. There's nothing you could do with that stimulus, nothing, that will excel the potential of the kingdom of God. I think it's hilarious, actually, because everybody in the kingdom of God, everybody that's a part of the body of Christ, you know, really throughout this country has an opportunity like they haven't had. Now, if you have a revelation on this, you just got excited over what I said. If you did get excited, it's because you don't have a revelation on this yet. So I'm going to start all over with message one and give them all to you today. We'll let you out about two in the morning and then we'll get this. Because with revelation comes what? Joy. Well, I want to do this and I want to do that. That's between you and the Lord. I'm just simply telling you what, what opportunities you have right now. No formal, you know, capital campaign built around your stimulus. But do you really want to stimulate your life? So... Hallelujah. I don't have to talk to you about tithing on your stimulus. That's right. Well, maybe I do need to talk to them about the stimulus tithe. You know? <laughs> that shouldn't even be an issue at this point because we've already covered that. But to sow on something that you really you didn't know was going to happen is a great opportunity to pass that threshold in this season and go to a whole new level in your life. That's something that you can do. So I never have any seed. Well, that's not going to be true. <laughs> Unless you're over the threshold of, you know, I believe it's $150,000, $60,000 for a couple and over whatever it is, $75,000 for an individual, whatever the case may be. Most people aren't at those thresholds and so they're going to see some stimulus. Amen. Look at somebody and say, stimulate your situation by sowing. Well, that is totally opposite the way the average American is thinking right now. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. You know what the sower is saying? God, what do you want me to do? Hallelujah. It requires understanding of the kingdom. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how big or small you think that seed is. That's not the point. The point is a lot, a lot of cool things that God has done or ever will do, they seem like they started in really insignificant ways. Amen. Hallelujah. The Miracle capital of the world. Amen. See, anybody can go into a service or a revival or a meeting and every night a thousand people are saved and two thousand filled with the Holy Ghost and several hundred healed instantly and say, that's the miracle capital of the world. 
It takes faith to say what? The miracle capital of the world. When some people in the church can't even say miracle. Let alone see miracle. And the night that we felt impressed to sow that into the church, the miracle capital of the world, Sharon's husband decides to die. <laughs> Hear me well. No dying on my watch in the middle of a service. Are you here today? So if you were thinking about it today, if you're thinking about going home right now, you just come on back. I mean, you just sit yourself down and then stay a while. <laughs> but who do you think was orchestrating that challenge to the word of God? I mean, sometimes the devil is subtle, but sometimes he's stupid obvious. Everybody say, stupid. He overplays his hand, and everybody goes, well, I wonder what that was all about. The first time the pastor sows the seed, and someone dies. This is how this works. There's a lot going on on the ground that the devil has no right or entitlement to. You've got to have understanding that that little thing that you start with as a dream or just the seed of an idea can blossom into something phenomenal. So don't you dare measure your future by the size of the seed. Amen. Number five. Read the story that comes directly on the heels of the teaching about the seed. Verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Why do you think Jesus was asleep on a cushion? Because in verse 35, the seed said, let us go over to the other side. So why could he sleep? Because he knew they were going to the other side. Jesus had declaration. Jesus had prophetic impact. Jesus had faith. You see this? But the disciples... Don't you care if we drown? <laughs> he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still, that the wind died down. It was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have what? No faith. <coughs> Number five, being an effective sower requires faith as evidence. Jesus was expecting that the disciples would operate in faith given the revelation they just received. He's looking for a harvest from all of his sowing. Listen carefully. The proof of successful sowing of any kind of seed is faith. 
Watch this. He just told them how the kingdom of God operates. He just gave them the teaching on the seed, the teaching on the soil, the teaching on the process, the teaching of understanding the kingdom, the way God does, how he does, what he does, the simple principles of the word of God. And now we have real life opportunity. And Jesus sowed a seed. Do you know a lot of the things that you and I can receive from him? It doesn't take a 50,000 hour part sermon series. One word from God can change your life forever. One word today can change your life forever. He said we're going what? To the other side. That's the seed. Jesus is expecting what? Harvest off of that seed. And all they got was doubt, fear, and unbelief. When you're sowing a seed, when you are on purpose investing in the kingdom of God, sowing your seed, sowing your life, sowing to the spirit, investing finances and resources, when you're doing that, the mark that you actually have sown it successfully is that you have faith. He said we're going to the other side, so guess what? And that's the word for somebody today. You don't feel like you're going to make it. You're going to make it, darling. You're going to the other side in Jesus' name. The devil come up and try to swamp the boat and destroy you and everybody in it, but you're going to the other side. Come on, shout it out. I'm going to make it. Say it with all your heart. I'm going to make it. I am going to the other side. You see in scripture, immediately the devil comes to steal the word that was sown. Oh, he said we're going to the other side. We'll see about that. Watch this. We need to believe that our benevolent gift will help the person that we gave it to. And can I help you out here? Don't sit there and try to figure out everything they're going to do with it. Well, I wonder if they're going to buy cigarettes with it. I wonder if they're going to go down and get a fifth of this or a fifth of that. I wonder if they're going to get a bunch of lottery tickets. I wonder if they're going, that's not your job. Your job is just to hear and do. Because if you get into all that, you're not going to have faith. It's going to do what it's supposed to do. And if you sowed it at his command, it's going to harvest for you anyway. Even if they don't do what they're supposed to do. Murray right now has been visited, not by God, but by some holy panhandlers. And they're professionals. Several of them making two, three, four thousand dollars a day. So you should use wisdom in your sowing. Amen. This one character has been booked in like six different counties in Kentucky. How do you tell? The Holy Ghost will tell you. Yes, he will. Amen. But when you do, you need to have faith. Hey, this is going to produce in that person's life. We believe the word sowing is going to come to pass in our lives. If we sow financial seed, then we're going to see a financial harvest. If we sow something into the kingdom of God, it's going to produce the corresponding, you know, harvest from that seed. We believe. Say it, I'm a believer. Say it, I'm a believer. Say it, I believe. I believe. If I don't believe, 
There is no success for sowing. Amen. I know the word was successfully sown in your life because faith came. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. And if faith now is increasing in the area of sowing, then you know that you actually have successfully sown that seed. And you'll manifest it with a lifestyle. Glory to God. Are you still here? Say it with me. I'm an effective sower. I have the word. The right kind of soil. I have the process. I understand the kingdom of God. And I have faith. Operating in my heart. I'm going for it. 30, 60, and a hundredfold. Come on, say it. 30, 60, and a hundredfold. And can I tell you that when you do harvest, give God the glory. Recognize what he's doing. Because after all, it is supernatural. Without his hand, it's not happening. Yes, you sowed, that's great. But he's the one that gave you the word. From beginning to end, God is in the middle of this process and he should be praised for it. What always amazes me is how creative he is. He can cause a harvest to come in your life in a million different ways. Yet some of you relegate God's authority to just one thing. The mailbox. The holy mailbox. A check in the mailbox. That's as far as God can go. Look at somebody and say, he can bless you a million ways. <laughs> you know, he doesn't even need the mailbox. You know, this past month, about 70% of the income into this ministry has come electronically. I'm so glad that God just can't move by checks. We would be up a creek without a <laughs> You talk and you so as God, you know, has told you to in terms of the mechanism. It doesn't make any difference. But even when I do, of course, give and tithe and sow, I still do it the same way. Electronically, like you, so many of you, but I do it with words. Just the other day, I was about to hit a button. I said, I know what you brought me out of. I remember my exodus. I remember the goodness of God in my life. And I hit that button with faith and thanksgiving for what he has done. It's not about the, the mechanics. It's about the faith. So vitally important. Amen. How many like to find out about the promises to the sower? Say it, I have tithers rights. But there are sower's promises. Come on, say it. Tithers rights. Sower's promises. Come on, get excited. Say tithers rights. And sower's promises. How do you get tithers rights? You mean a tither. How do you get how do you get sower's rights? Or sower's promises? You sow. One of them things. Say it with me. Tithers rights. Sower's promises. If you're a tither, you get tither's rights, but if you're a sower, you get sower's promises and tither's rights. If you don't tithe or sow, you get neither. But that's not the crowd I'm talking to today. <laughs> Amen? 
Say it, tithers rights, sowers promises. I'm going to read this to you from 2 Corinthians 9 and just list these for you. Because I really want you to take it home and just really meditate upon it because how many know the word is true? How many know that God isn't a man that he should lie? If you put these promises in the word of God, then you and I can claim them. I encourage you, don't, left, don't leave anything at the table unclaimed. Accept and receive and believe for everything God said you can have. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just a portion of this. Verse 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now the tithe will cause tithers' rights to kick in. Sowing will cause sowing promises to kick in. When Paul is talking here about sowing, he is not talking about the tithe. He's talking about sowing your seeds. He is talking, in this case, about a beneficial collection in the name of Jesus Christ. He's talking about their benevolence. Understand this. And the reason it's important to get, get a hold of this, a lot of people just have a, a fuzzy you know, you know, understanding of how this connects to and applies to the, the New Testament church. Remember our heritage springs forth from the promises and covenants between God and his Jewish people. Those principles are sound, and we talked about this regarding the tithe 400 years before the law, Abraham tithe. We're of the Abraham clan. Amen? Amen. We're people of faith. Why is that important? Because it's important for you to see, verse 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We're talking about sowing. For God loves what? A cheerful giver. How many know when people have a lot of revelation, they're much more cheerful? Hallelujah. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written, he has scattered and brought his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession and the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The same apostle that told you and me that we get saved by faith same apostle told us that the just shall live by faith. The same apostle is telling us there are promises for sowers. Now, Rodney just referred to Philippians chapter 4, a missionary offering that no other church gave except for the Philippians. Read the context. He's in Thessalonica, and not even the Thessalonians are supporting him. The Philippians are. And when he quoted that scripture, my God shall supply all your needs according to what? His riches and glory in Christ Jesus is for the sower. It was for the Philippians who were mindful of his, of his estate and his ministry and gave. That's that supernaturally released revelation. And he's saying the same thing here. The sower is the one that can take these promises. 
Now here's the deal. I see nine of them very, very clearly. And just because there's nine here doesn't mean that's all the promises in the Bible for people that are faithful to sow. But I want you to get a hold of these. And what I want you to do is take them at face value and believe God. And don't hyper-spiritualize everything that you can't receive a good thing from God. Say it with me, I have tithers rights, but I'm also a sower. Tithers rights, sower's promises. Come on, do it like this. Say tithers rights, sower's promises. We got a lot to praise God for, don't we, church? Do we not have? I mean, put your hands down one more time and everybody get into agreement and unity. Say with me, tithers rights, sower's promises. We got a lot to praise God about. Number one, you will reap generously. You're a sower that sows generously, you will reap. Say it, I'm a reaper. Number two, you will have all grace and favor abounding in your life. The blessing is the empowerment to succeed, to prosper, increase, to excel, to have it go well with you. Favor is opportunity. The sower can expect doors of opportunity to swing open to them. The sower can expect God to go before them and where necessary, knock down those doors. Give you favor where it doesn't look like you'll have favor. Where maybe somebody's more qualified for you, but they don't have more favor than you do. Say, Tyler's rights. So is promises. You're going to reap generously, number one. Number two, you're going to have the favor of God on your life. I see, since it's so strongly, there's been faithfulness this past year. There's been consistency in people's lives. Favor is happening to you in Jesus' name. Favor is resting on your head. Amen. Doors are opening in Jesus' name. And that means different things to different people because people are in different seasons of life. But we all need favor. I said we all need favor. Number three in the scripture, you'll have all that you need. Boom. Whatever need there is, guess what? Sowers will be taken care of. Doesn't make any difference what it is. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Having all that what? You need. Some people's needs are bigger than others. You have a need for transportation? Boom. You have a need for housing? Boom. You have a need of a job? Boom. You have a need of clothing? Boom. Have need of groceries? Boom. Have need of toilet paper in case there's another virus? Boom, boom. I'm going to go buy me 15,000 rolls of paper. I'm going to get into fear. And I'm a Christian. <laughs> Darling, sowers will always have TP. <laughs> All. What does A-double-L spell? All. All. You have a need for technology? There it is. You have a need for something on the job? There it is. All that you need. 
We're just sitting back, you know, you know, oh God, if you're not busy, if you feel sorry for me, I'm so pitiful that maybe you'll do it. You get all this revelation with tithers' rights and now sower's promises, you'll be bold and expect it. Don't matter what the need is. I am a person who walks in tithers' rights and the promises of a sower. Amen. Amen. See, you, you invest in the kingdom of God. It's not gone. It's not lost. <laughs> Number four, you'll increase in your seed. He'll give you even more seed. And if you sow that seed, it'll produce even more what? Harvest and more seed. That doesn't make sense, does it? If I sow my seed, my seed is sown. Well, when you sow your seed, God makes sure that you have more seed to sow. When you sow that seed, you get more seed. And then you sow that seed and you get more seed. And you sow that seed and you get more seed and you sow that seed and you get more seed. Can you see what will happen if somebody lives this way? Well, if I just had a good break, if they didn't do this to me, if they wouldn't have done that to me, if they wouldn't have held me back, you know, if I was born on the right side of the tracks with a silver spoon in my mouth, the right culture, right color, right country, then everything would be great. No, all it requires is you get into this seed flow. Let <laughs> me write this. It's been sitting in this Bible for 2,000 years. Every promise to the sower and the average Christian is let religion putrefy a man and paralyze them from accepting and believing them without compromise. Number five, you'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Righteousness has a harvest. You're righteous by faith. What happens is greater boldness. Look at somebody and say, he'll pump you up. The righteous, the Bible says, are as bold as a lion. Your peace will be like a river, Isaiah says. You'll have great confidence, power to live right, godly influence, souls, disciples in your life. The harvest of righteousness will be great and plenteous in your life. You know what I mean? It means that somebody's going to know you, Christian, and there's something on you. Poke somebody and say, there's something on you. It's a harvest of righteousness. Can you see every time you turn around, the Bible is using this, this, this imagery. He expects harvest in our life. When he gave out the one, the five, the, the two, and the five talents, what was he expecting? Increase or harvest off of it. Number six, and this is the, this is the one where the average Christian completely goes tilt. You know, what you cannot receive by faith, you cannot walk in. You'll be made rich in every way. <laughs> well, I don't have to wonder if Barb just got it. <laughs> Let me say this again. You will be made rich in every way. You'll be made rich in every way. Say every way. Every way. 
this entire two chapters of Bible is talking about material giving. Paul didn't suddenly switch to a spiritual connection. But he did say and point out that it's rich in every way. Say it, every way. And many people have been taught that, you know, money is evil. No, money, the love of money is the root of all evil. A wrong relationship with money is the root of all evil. Even Paul says here, you're not to pursue rich. Rich is supposed to pursue you. These blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. What are you doing? You're running after God. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Say it, I have a stalker. You're not going after the goodness. You're not going after the rich. You're not going after the stuff. You're going after God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What? As well. But the Bible still says this. The same Bible that says there's a heaven and a hell, that says, for God so loved the world, the just shall live by faith, says you will be made rich in every way. Can I help you out here? There's a reason why a lot of Christians struggle financially. Year after year, decade after decade, because when they hear this promise, it never registers in their mind. They put up the little denominational wall and little religion, and they don't let the truth sink into their hearts. And the truth is, you and I are to go after God, but don't be surprised when stuff goes after you. Why? To advance the kingdom of God. Watch this. What does rich mean? It means wealthy, opulent. What does opulent mean? It means ostentatiously rich and luxurious or lavish. Does that sound like your God is a miser? Now, I'm not telling you what the English word means. I'm telling you what the Greek word means here. Well-to-do. Listen to this. It's always flowing in. Come on, say it with me. It's always flowing in. Tithers' rights, sowers' promises. It's always flowing in. In. I want you to read this scripture again carefully. Verse 11. You will be made rich in every way. And if you stop right there, just like with the teaching of faith, you stumble over something that is key. So that you can be what? Generous. On every occasion, and through your generosity, thanksgiving will come to God. Say, so every occasion, every opportunity, every opportunity, every occasion. This is why we say that these things come to us by revelation. These things come to us line upon line, precept upon precept. You'll be made rich in every way so you could build you a bigger bank. 
You'll be made richer in every way so that you can store everything and ignore the condition of this world. No. Wouldn't it be wonderful today if we had a chance to pay off 10 mortgages this week? And you had access to help that happen. Body Christ thinks very, very small. It's impossible to think at higher levels when we stumble over scriptures like that. I don't know what happened to the Corinthians after that declaration. Can I tell you something? I would like to follow the sowers in the Corinthian church to find out what happened to them. I know the word of God enough to know. I want to find out one day what happened to the woman who gave the two mites. Why would she give everything she had? Because she read a story about that in the Old Testament. Amen. Say it. Sower's promises include rich in every way. Look at somebody and say, you're looking awful opulent today. Say it with me. Always, always, always flowing in. Why? Always flowing in so that it can always be flowing out. I don't know about you, but there have been times I wanted it to flow out and it couldn't. Because it wasn't flowing in. I couldn't flow out because I didn't have it because it didn't flow in. When you get a hold of this, he wants us to be always flowing in so we can always flow out. You are his kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Distribution point. Any volunteers out there? Amen. See, when you measure scripture against scripture, you don't get uptight or upset about these things. You say, Lord, do it in my life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Jeffrey Bromley said this, a great Greek scholar. Listen carefully. I'll tell you, this is something that you need to write down. I'll say it a couple of times. But if you ever walk out here saying, no, this is what that pastor taught, or this is what that church believes, make sure that this is part of your communication, or don't quote me at all. Amen. Don't half quote me. Don't rip it out, you know, from five, ten minutes ago in the message. Make sure you got the whole thing. That's what CNN does. Look at somebody and say, don't be like CNN. <laughs> Material wealth is simply an instrument in the ministry of love. Material wealth is simply an instrument in the ministry of love. Come on, say it with me. Material wealth is simply an instrument in the ministry of love. So are his promises always flowing in so that it can what? Always flow out. 
Make that confession. It's flowing in. And it's flowing out. Say it again. It's flowing in. And it's flowing out. I have tithers rights. And sower's promises. Number seven, you'll have the knowledge you're helping others. Never underestimate the power of the joy it brings. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You're the answer to somebody else's prayer. Number eight, you'll get people to praise God because of your sowing. Amen. David feels impressed to give something to somebody at a store. I've never yet watched a person go through a checkout stand where somebody was purchasing groceries and didn't have enough money or somebody felt impressed to buy their basket too or whatever it was or fill up their car. I, I can never recall somebody turning the corner and saying, praise the devil. <laughs> but I've seen total pagans turn the corner and say, well, praise God, thank God. Not even realizing what they were saying. Who gets the praise? Who gets the glory? Who gets the thanksgiving? God does. Amen. I thought real, you know, carefully for just a moment that I would just save all of these promises until another session with it. But I felt really impressed that this needed to be sowed today like a seed. You meditate on this and take these things seriously. I mean, how many think it's a wonderful thing that God gets thanks and praise because of your life? Every, every time you sow beyond that foundation of the tithe, thanks is going forth to God. You're generating thanks to our Father by being generous. Amen. And number nine, you'll harvest prayer from others. It's an amazing promise here, but Paul said, you know what? These folks that are benefiting from what you're doing are going to be praying for you. Who couldn't use a little more prayer? <laughs> you sow financial seed in their life, and you reap prayer from somewhere else. Glory to God. Say it with me, the promises for the sower. Say it, all the promises are mine. Tithers rights. See, you do this one more time. Lift your hands, say, Tithers rights. Sower's promises. Drop your hands again and stand to your feet.